He has short-term rentals, he has Turo's, and he even has 70 published songs. That's right, the musician Gabe Kubanda is talking everything, short-term rentals and adding Turo to your bottom line here on the Fearless Investor Podcast. If you are serious about building your short-term rental business to $10,000, $20,000, maybe even $30,000 a month or more, you have come to the right place. My name is Kyle Stanley, and this is the Fearless Investor Podcast, where we teach you all things short-term rentals. The best guests, the best tools, the best strategies. There are so many investing paths out there. It can be seriously overwhelming to start out as a new investor, but take it from me, short-term rentals is the best and the quickest way to build your cash flow. So buckle up, listen in, and get ready to conquer the world of short-term rentals. Here we go. Hey, Fearless community, before we get the show started, I want to let you know that you now have the chance to get direct access to me in order to grow and strengthen your short-term rental business. How? The Six Figure Formula Membership. I'm the only one in this space offering this value-packed membership for a stupid, stupid low price of $49 per month, and you get access to me my podcast guests, you get to be a part of our amazing private community, you get our full A to Z business in a box STR kickstart course, and maybe most exciting, especially for me, you get exclusive discounts that we worked for months to get that no one else is getting out there. Price Labs, AirDNA, NoiseAware, HostAway, and so many more at your fingertips. So become a part of this 6FF movement. Get started today for just $49 a month at fearlesskyle.com forward slash 6FF. Hey, welcome into the Fearless Investor Podcast. You are listening to me, Kyle Stanley, and just taking a second here, if you have not already learned about this, I have started another project, another passion project of mine, which is called the Setup Man Podcast. If you're a baseball fan at all, you will love what I'm doing, especially uh, just given the fact that we just went to the winter meetings for the first time. If you're not a baseball fan, you can just go ahead and skip past this, but it's a really cool thing for me. This business has given me a lot of time to be able to do the things that I'm passionate about, like being a new dad and being a great husband, but also uh, now bringing baseball back into my life. And speaking of that, one of the reasons I actually bring that up is because our guest today, Gabe Kubanda, is a musician. He started out with Airbnb out of necessity because his business, as you'll hear, actually took a tank during uh, COVID, it was a basically kind of like DIY concert coming to you tour van, and it kind of just stopped. So he had to figure out ways to make money. But now that he's been able to create a pretty automated short-term rental and Turo business, he's been able to go back to those passions of music. And that's something that we get to talk about a little bit at the end. But really, I hammered home and really wanted to learn the numbers on Turo and like, is this really worth the time? So I'll let you be the deciding factor in that. Listen right now to Gabe Kubanda here on the Fearless Investor Podcast. Guys, welcome into the Fearless Investor Podcast, uh, Team Fearless and 6FF community out there. We are excited to have Gabe Kubanda not only on the podcast, but uh, Gabe's going to just like play us in for 10 seconds here. Go for it, Gabe. Hey guys, how you doing? I'm lucky to be here. On Kyle's podcast, <laughs> fearless Kyle, yeah. How fearless are you, man? Do you jump off of a bridge? Oh, God, no, not helicopters. Yo, what's up, Gabe? How you doing, man? I got some fly to the Concords feel out of that. <laughs> Those are guys that were one of my uh, influences from back in the day, for sure. <laughs> I like it. I like it. That. I can sing those songs. I can't play those songs. I pretend to dabble in guitar, but the pretend is really the key word there. 
<laughs> well, brother, thanks for being on the Fearless Investor Podcast. I'm really excited because I know you have been building your business, watching our content, watching a lot of other influencers. I use that as a very quotation because I hate that term. But the 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 people out there that are helping others to uh, build Airbnb businesses and short-term rental businesses and mid-term rental businesses, you're kind of following everyone and taking a little bit from everyone. And I can't wait to hear how it's been influencing your path. But uh, yeah, why don't we start with just your craziest short-term rental story? Let's let's start off with the fun stuff. Oh, shoot. Well, uh, all right. Well, one of my first ones, uh, COVID 2020, March 2020, yeah. uh, transitioned from my normal job of touring and performing music on the road. All the tours shut down, uh, threw a mattress in my office, turned it into an Airbnb. And oh, wow. that's you know, what started the whole thing. My second or third guest, it, this was like in early April 2020, were these crazy crackheads um, oh, that it, it was just a, a room in my house, right? This little office room. Booked for one guy, showed up with like four disheveled people. You could tell they were, you know, they were on the streets. I was new and and so I wasn't, I, I felt like I should turn them away. I had a bad feeling, but then it was like, this is Phoenix, Arizona. It was getting hot over hundred degrees in March and April already. Oh yeah. And I was like, man, maybe these guys just need a break. They seem pretty down on their luck. So I let them stay soon after I started seeing smoke coming out of the door. Oh and, no. Um, I saw the, a guy, the guy walking around with a big knife on his, on his belt. Oh, get out of my and house. I, and I was like, huh, you know, maybe he's a good old boy, you know, a Texan boy just has his knives and his guns and whatever. But um, just some, some stuff was off. They would leave late at night, get a bus somewhere. And um, but they were super quiet. And uh, I looked up his name online because I just had a weird feeling. And it turns out he had a bunch of uh, warrants for his arrest. One was like oh, um, assault with a deadly weapon, things like that. And I was like, whoa. Oh, and man. then uh, one night I did, I did, uh, af after they were gone, I was like, okay, I know something's going on in that room. I'm hearing more voices. I go in, sure enough, there's little baggies of like black tar heroin, butane lighters, little oh, armband thingies, pizza all over the floor. Like the whole room was just trashed. Well, you got to have the munchies if you're going to do that much drugs. <laughs> they had the munchies, man. They, they had, they had everything. Oh Pepsi gosh. spilled all over. So I called the cops and because, you know, it was their early couple months of COVID, like it took five or six hours for the cops to arrive. They said they couldn't do anything because the guests weren't there yet. So they advised me just to put everything out in front and lock all the doors, change the door code, tell them not to come in. And then the guy had the audacity to give me a one-star review. And of course, Airbnb allows those to stay. <laughs> yeah. And back then, yeah, their customer service was horrible. And um, it lasted for over a year, that one star review. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, and and you still have prevailed. You have moved on. So let, let's kind of jump into this. I think it's really cool that, uh, you know, you, you've got the music background and you've got everything that you, I think you said you published like 70 different songs. We'll have to give people a link to be able to check out where where to find your your stuff. But how does a musician end up becoming a short term rental vacation rental host in San Diego and build up a pretty, pretty sizable business in a couple of years. You're up to 16 properties. That's impressive. I'll tell you a, um, a huge mix of luck and stupidity and, uh, uh, DIY, uh, necessity. 
<laughs> so we were in Phoenix at the time um, touring. I owned a, my own concert tour, DIY concert tour. We took that all over the world. And basically I, as a solo artist, would um, basically bring bands on the road with me. And we right. would uh, I would package all the shows, uh, book the shows. We did a lot of festivals and military bases and colleges and even did a high school music program where we'd show up at a high school and play in their auditorium and talk with the music kids about furthering their careers in music. And oh, cool. I absolutely love that. And that was called education. And um, I like it. So basically, yeah, uh, in touring, especially when we were overseas, we did not have enough money to stay in nice hotel, fancy hotels. So it's me and about 10, you know, scruffy musicians. We're looking for an Airbnb that can, can fit that many, or we'd be at a um, RV park with our tour bus and camping in the RV park, you know, making burgers every night. Yeah. Um, living kind of the, the vagabond life. And so I, in that kind of um, span of time, I realized, you know, we stayed at some amazing Airbnbs with great hosts. We stayed at some horrific ones. I remember twice in England, once in Manchester, we were, got in at like 2 a.m. from driving all the way up from the airport in London, got in this Airbnb, dirty mattresses in the corner, doors broken off their hinges, mirrors cracked, just the, it looked like a slumlord. Yeah. And then another place in Liverpool where we got robbed and our, our, oh, um, all our music gear stolen out of the trailer in the middle of the night. And so I, I, you know, I, I saw kind of the good and bad and like how the, the good hosts were doing it so that when uh, COVID did come and it was like, Hey, all entertainment is paused for how long, what are we going to do? I already had this kind of my thing in my mind of like, man, I want to try this. I want to see, cause I love hospitality. I love mm -hmm. um, helping people out. I love providing cool things for people. And uh, so, yeah, I just started through it in a, through a, through a twin bed in, uh, in the office, furnished it as much as I could and had it for like 35 bucks a night. And it was off to the races. That's awesome. Not, not quite where I started, but it, starting with a, a room out of your house, that, that was where I started as well. So I know the value of especially kind of, you know, putting one toe in instead of, you know, diving headfirst and and just going all out with a five bedroom, giant 3000 square foot home. Right. So it, it's a little bit easier to start that way. But how did you make that next step from saying, hey, I'm going to do this as a little bit of a hobby and a room out of my house to now, hey, I'm going to start arbitraging and owning and co-hosting like you are now? Well, as kind of the pandemic kind of laggered on over the months, you know, and then it turned into years, you know, I was like, hmm, can we get back to music? Is it sustainable? Mm -hmm. uh, at the same time, I was having fun with, you know, having these guests over, I had amazing guests, a lot of guests that were trapped here because of COVID and they couldn't leave to their other states. Like I had some Iraqi war veterans wow. who worked along with the Iraqi armed forces and the American forces to like take out Saddam Hussein, all this crazy stuff. They were staying Whoa. in my house and they were cooking me goat every night. And it, we were just having a blast. <laughs> they ended up staying for like three months and we just, you know, developed this amazing bond. And I had tons of COVID nurses, COVID post-care nurses coming in with their whole hazmat suits on and all this stuff, you know, and seeing that side of things. And I was also watching guys like you, honestly, you know, you and some of the other influencers, but really, you know, you guys are really good at imparting great knowledge. And I was just picking up pieces of that. And I was, as it went on, I was like, wow, what if I mm. opened up another room in this house? Okay. okay. 
I did that. Okay, what if I was to move to San Diego and really double down and get five to 10? And then it was, okay, can I get more than 10? You know, now I'm at 16 and I'm like, hey, okay, my next goal is 20, you know? So did you actually move to San Diego because of your desire to start a short-term rental business? For the most part, I also had a grandma who was aging and didn't have a great uh, living situation. Okay. Um, so I moved about five minutes away from her to be able to go over there and help her out as well. Um, but I had just, I had really wanted to get out of Phoenix for a while. I love the Phoenix music scene. I love the people, but 120 degree summers, is just brutal it's after, rough. after a while. Rough. I've been there. I've been there. Yeah. That's, I mean, you know, I, I understand there was other motivating factors with your grandma and wanting to help her, but there's a major commitment there. Right. And, you know, they always talk about the starving artist, right? You, you guys that are chasing the, the artist dream, maybe sometimes are a little bit more used to just picking up and leaving, but this was not really for the, the musician side of things. This was to actually start a new career that you really only had a very minuscule amount of experience in. Was that pretty scary? It was, it was very daunting. However, as soon as I started getting bookings rolling in uh, at the Phoenix place during COVID, I realized there was a huge need for it. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, if I can ratchet this up and provide a certain level of high level of quality and hospitality and care, you know, I could really, I could really do some damage. Awesome. So what was that first step? You, you moved to San Diego, you've got a little bit of experience and now you're looking to, was it arbitrage first? Was it coasting? Did you go buy a property? How did you get that first property? Take us through that. I started off with arbitraging. And uh, as you know, like arbitraging is pretty rough to get owners to uh, sign on for that. However, you know, I probably called over a hundred places, showed up at different wow. open houses, um, you know, got turned down left and right. And one guy said yes, and kind of took a chance on me. Now, because I had already done uh, about a year in Phoenix of Airbnb and I had all these five-star reviews to show aside from the one, you know, heroin guys that give me one star. Yeah. He could tell that I was just, you know, a conscientious guy. I wasn't going to screw him over. I wasn't going to run for the Hills, take his money and, or, or trash the place. So I feel like my personality really, you know, he could tell I cared and that's what he was looking for was somebody to care for the property. Mm. And so I said, Hey, I'm going to, I'll take care of your property. It'll be better than you left it. It will improve your property value. I'm going to furnish up really nice. Here's the reviews for at my other place, you know, and check it out. And, you know, he took a chance. And so once I had that first one in and I was able to garner, you know, 10 plus, you know, five-star reviews at this place, this is actually the place where I moved uh, in first. And I was just arbitraging rooms out. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, this is a three bedroom house here. I showed him and he was like, wow, and you're making this much? Yeah. I want to make money. So I ended up do, working on more of his properties and nice. focusing with him um, and helping him. And then I eventually started um, co-hosting for other people as my reputation grew. And uh, it just kind of, once you have that bar of quality and consistency, I feel like it's an easier sell. At first, it's just, it was super difficult. Now it's a lot easier, obviously. You got that credibility. It's easier to, to go to someone with a resume than just uh, a hope that they're going to take a chance on you like you got. But, you know, it just takes the one. And so now you, we've seen you grow to 16 units. And I, I got to ask, you know, especially since we want to talk about Turo today, at what point did you start bringing that into your business? As soon as I had to sell my tour van and trailer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
I had an old 15 passenger van and a, and a large dually trailer that we used to haul around gear after our tour bus uh, tanked. And I needed to sell that to pay off some debts with the tour. And I thought, well, I had heard about Turo. I heard that it was the Airbnb of cars. Sure. And I thought, well, shoot, if I'm doing Airbnb, how much different would it be than doing Airbnb already? It's all about hospitality, customer service, timeliness, responding to messages, providing a good uh, product. And I'm like, well, hey, I'm already doing that. Yeah. What if I can add this? And so as soon as I sold my my van, I thought, you know, I'm going to try this and I'm going to get a nice car. I, I got a Lexus. And I was like, well, I'll I'll try it with this car. And as soon as I got it and put it up on Turo, this was about the time when all the rental car agencies had no supply because sure. they had sold it all off. So there was a big demand for rental vehicles. And so it really hit the ground running and I started making pretty good money on that. So much so that I didn't have a car to drive anymore and I was taking Ubers everywhere. <laughs> so it was like another problem to solve. Okay, I got to get another car. <laughs> okay. And then that kind of started me on my way. And now I just got my seventh. I just picked up a brand new Lexus wow. eight-seater TX, which is uh, a brand new Lexus uh, large passenger vehicle. Because I realized my most profitable cars are the ones with the most seats. Okay. And so two days ago, I put it up. And instantly, that an hour after I posted it on Turo, I got my first booking. I already have my December pretty much booked up with this car. And I'm like, okay, wow. It's... That was a good move. So let's talk about that car for a second. I want I want to know the real and raw numbers of Toro. <laughs> How much are you making? Give me give me the all in expenses. And you said you've already got December pretty much booked up. And I want to know the overall revenue. How much are the expenses? How much of a time commitment? Give me sell me on why I should be adding Toro to my business from a business numbers perspective. Woo. Well, coming from a musician and not a numbers guy, that's going to be difficult. <laughs> uh, but I will say, you know, okay, I just got it on Tuesday, so I don't have a whole lot of any data really to show yet. However, I will say that as soon as I got it, pretty much two and a half weeks are already booked up. So that's over over half of a month. The monthly payments are around 1300 a month for the okay. car. Of course, insurance uh, on top of that couple hundred a year, I believe. How about like the cleaning, the maintenance, the gas? Well, so a really cool thing with, with, with Turo is that the guests are paying for the gas, okay. right? So you really, so you really don't have that. Let's say even gas is five bucks a gallon or six bucks a gallon. What, like it often is in California, especially for premium. We're not paying for that. The guests okay. are, so yes, it really they, doesn't matter. Are they paying um, a cleaning fee as well? Yep. They got a little cleaning yeah. fee added. Now okay. with new vehicles, you don't have a whole lot of maintenance for the first few years, and it's usually covered with a good maintenance, a warranty yeah. package. Okay. So that's kind of a wash as well in the purchase price of the vehicle for okay. the first few years. And um, I think that if you are near places that are near an airport, like I am, San Diego airport, okay, where you're near a lot of travel hubs where people are you know, needing to come here for whatever reason all year round, not just for vacation, but for conferences, for medical, for tech, for military. We have a huge military population here. Yep. I just had a DOD guy book for five months on a government um, uh, stipend. And he also wanted my one of my Teslas. And he was looking for an Airbnb or a, a, a furnished rental 
that had an EV charger. Well, some of my homes have solar and EV chargers that I've added in. Nice. So that makes it a win-win. So I would say, especially if you're going green, because a lot of people want to drive Teslas, especially if you have solar at your house, you know, especially if you're in California or in a sunny state and you're able to add in a wall charger for like yeah. 600, 700 bucks, people are specifically looking to charge their EVs there or, or that's an upsell for me saying, for sure. Hey, you want to stay at my house? You need to get a rental car, take my Tesla and you can charge it overnight and you don't have to worry about anything. Awesome. Okay. So I'm hearing about, let's round it up to 1350, $1,400 a month in expenses. Um, 1400, probably 1500 maybe. Okay. And what's that car currently you said it's booked for like two and a half weeks. What's the nightly rate on that car? It's about 120, 120. Okay. So if you're fully booked, right, you're making 3,600, take out the 1500 and you're making 2,100 bucks on that, on that car, if you're fully booked, but what's, what's a actual expectancy of an occupancy for a churro? Uh, depending on the car, it varies wildly. Um, however, I would say for a car that's getting used a lot and that there's a lot of usefulness for, especially like a large passenger, you know, car or something like that, I would probably say between 60, uh, maybe around 60%. Okay. For the, so for 60%, the month. we're, we're at like $2,000, maybe 2,200. So you're, you're netting about 500, $700 on a car like this every month. Does Potentially. That and, and, you know, just like with Airbnbs, you have mm -hmm. monthly rates. So instead of a $120 day rate, it might be 85 bucks a day or 90 bucks a day, something like that. Right, right, right. right. And of course, December is a huge month. January, February, really slow. Yeah. Um, November and October were really slow. But then March is huge. May through August is big. And so it's kind of one of those things that you really want to take a yearly look at as opposed to a monthly. Okay. And really save some of the some of that profit for a rainy day just in case. Okay. So with what I just mentioned there, netting 500 to 700, do you feel like that would be a below average, an average, or an above average type of month? I say between 500 to a grand on that type of car, a more luxe, larger car would be about right. Cool. Okay. I think smaller cars, maybe between 400 to 800, depending. Okay. So that that's better than what I've heard. I've heard a lot of people are like, yeah, I'm netting 250. And I'm like, I just don't know if that's worth it, but 500 bucks or more. That's I, I can, I can get down with that. What about, well, I think, I think yeah. what, you know, a lot of Turo hosts are suffering and, and I'm not going to lie that I haven't, I'm just a guy figuring it out just like everybody else. And mm -hmm. I made some mistakes. I bought this gorgeous Lexus RZ uh, earlier this year. It was Lexus's first electric vehicle and super luxurious. And I was like, man, people are going to love this thing. No, hardly anybody rented it. <laughs> wow. Okay. And I took a so big what do you do in a situation like that? And I took a big L on that one. Um, I was getting renters, just not enough to really make it actual. I was pretty much breaking even. Okay. And it was great to have as like, you know, a showpiece like, oh, look at this thing. It looks amazing. But it really wasn't you know, it was kind of pulling from the other cars that were profitable. And so I actually struck a deal with the local Lexus dealership and said, Hey, you know, what do you got that's coming in that you really want to move that has more seats? I wanted something with more seats that wasn't electric because people just weren't grabbing on the Lexus electric train. Mm. And, um, 
they allowed me to trade it in for it. So it kind of it kind of worked out. Okay. okay, there you go. So you didn't take a loss. You just not too huge of a loss. Okay. So and, and so what I would say is that if you're a Turo host and you're just doing Turo, yeah. I've seen a lot of people get out of it because it's just overly saturated. However, if you're doing Turo for regular Turo guests and you're also marketing to your Airbnb uh, short-term rentals as well, you're picking up an extra few bookings every single month. Absolutely. So that is that has kind People of what's kept me going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, listen up. If you are not using Price Labs, you are literally throwing money in the trash. Dynamic pricing is a must in our industry. If you don't know what that is, dynamic pricing is just a fancy term for supply and demand pricing. When demand is high, Price Labs will get you high price bookings. And when demand is low, it will fill up your calendar while the competition overprices themselves and leaves everything vacant. I was dumb in the beginning of my short-term rental journey. I thought I could do it all without Price Labs. So one day I just said, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm going to try this thing out. And immediately my income went up 15 to 20% on my listings. I really was kicking myself. I should have been using this from the beginning. So don't make the same mistake as me. Get started with your free 30-day trial at fearlesskyle.com forward slash Price Labs. Or even better, how about getting 25% off your first six months as a thank you for being a part of the STR six-figure formula membership? That's right. Go to fearlesskyle.com forward slash 6FF to become a member and claim that discount today. It, it seems like not only is it an income generator for extra income, but if someone sees on an Airbnb listing, hey, that this host also provides a Turo, now I've got a one-stop shop instead of having to go to Hertz or Thrifty when I get to the airport. Um, and, yeah. and that makes it a little bit more customer friendly. So they might book with you instead of booking with the person down the street who might have you know, an extra half bath or something like that. I've, I've even had a lot of people, um, even if my calendar for that week was kind of empty, people where they came to get a Turo, their, their Turo rental from some other host, mm -hmm. the host never showed up or the car broke down or, or, or just the host wasn't good. And Turo transitioned into my car. Okay. And then they've been so happy because like, oh, you know, Gabe's going to take, they know Gabe's going to take care of them, you know, kind of. That's thing. good. And so, uh, yeah, I've been writing some notes. I got a few questions here. So I keep hearing you say, well, actually, before I get to that question, operations, right? Do I need to bring in another person for this? Aside from a cleaner, are you doing the work? Talk about like what, especially me, I don't want to do the work, right? If I'm going to bring in 10 cars for my 50 properties, I don't want to be driving and filling things up or taking it to the shop. I want someone doing that for me. Do you, do you have that? And if so, um, what kind of costs are we looking at for that? Yeah. As of this year, I mean, um, I, I finally got someone who like an assistant who's helping me out with a, a number of things, Turo and the Airbnb is kind of like a general manager for both. Great. And so they're able to take the vehicles down to the car wash. If you get a local car wash that has a good monthly platform and you can kind of deal with them and say, Hey, listen, I've got five, 10 cars, even if it's two or three, do you have a monthly deal that we could work out and I'll bring you I'll I'll keep bringing them to you as mm. much as possible. That's what I did. And so I'm able to take my cars down whenever I want and get them cleaned and detailed and ready for the guests. And so that's, that's a good bonus. And I think a lot of car dealer car wash places would like that. Now you could have a cleaner do it. I pay my cleaners hourly. So if the car wash is closed for whatever reason, I pay my cleaners to do it. You know, they get the cars prepped and ready. 
But basically, it's pretty simple, right? Gas it up or charge it up if it's an EV. Have it washed, clean, and sanitized, and have it ready for the guests. Now, you can offer pickups for extra fees, like we charge extra for picking them up at the airport mm. or dropping off a car at the airport. Turo has a thing called Turo Go, where it's contactless, so you don't even have to be there. So as long as you have your key fob or you can re uh, unlock it remotely for them, they can get in and just go. Very nice. That's so good. There's, there's a lot of technology that that helps, although you know sometimes technology fails and the app isn't syncing with the car and the guests can't get in every once in a while, you know, things like that happen, but just like a guest who can't get in the front door for an Airbnb. Exactly. Uh, okay. So, and at this point you've got all of that outsourced is what you're saying. You've got someone doing that for you. For the most part, I still do it, especially with the bigger clients or clients that have, have gotten, I had one uh, earlier this year that booked two houses and two cars. For the okay. Family. So that was great. Myself and my assistant went down with the two cars, picked them up at the airport, took them back to the two houses, which are right next to each other. <laughs> wow, that's good. Or like a, a house in between. And um, it was just the most seamless transition experience ever. They're like, oh my God, this is insane. Nice. And so having those type of experiences and those interactions, you know, I know they're coming back next year. There's no question about it. You know, um, it's just building up that those return guests you know, as you talk about as well. Okay. So a couple more questions here. I've heard you say the most seats is what seems to work the best. What, and, and that's in line kind of with an Airbnb, right? We, we kind of talk about more heads and beds equals more money. Right. What other factors should someone look at when they're looking at picking the right type of car, the right size of a car, the right year, all of those things? Well, currently, um, for the people that are doing research on Turo and on the market, they have a thing called Carculator, like calculator, but Carculator. Okay. On their website, it, it kind of gives some ballpark numbers. I don't think it's super accurate, but it will show you kind type of like what types of vehicles in what pricing range are doing the best or have the best ROI in a certain market. You can zero in on Orange County or Fresno or San Diego or Phoenix or whatever. However, when you're looking at other places, you'll notice that it's all the economy cars. It's the Fords, it's the Chevys. It's cars that you've already had and you don't have a huge payment on or slightly older cars that you don't have a huge depreciation on. Or if you're a mechanic and you can do the work yourself, if there is maintenance involved, those guys are crushing it and having the most, the highest ROI possible. Interesting. However, for a guy like me, who's buying mostly new cars and I'm not a mechanic and I don't want to be going under the hood, you know, I want something with low miles. I want something with a warranty package. I want something with, you know, a great engine that's going to last a long time and then I can sell it or I can lease it back if I'm leasing or, you know, there's, there's options to get out of it or, or I yeah. Okay. So th that's really interesting that you're saying kind of the economy car works the best. I would almost think like Airbnb, the experience is what people would be looking for on Turo, like the Jag or the uh, Mercedes. Uh, what, what are those? The, the the like kind of trailer with the shower inside Mercedes. Oh, the uh, sprinter vans and stuff. Yeah, the sprinter vans. Thank you. Um, is that that's not what people are looking for on Turo? They are as well. I mean, there's a lot of people booking those. However, with more premium car, premium luxury vehicles, you run the risk of just not having enough people looking to yeah. that. What It's, it's kind of like Airbnbs as well. If you're looking at the economy and I'm kind of a realist, so I'm like, 
yeah, even if the economy is looking, looking up, home prices still aren't coming down. Rents are high. People are getting laid off. The economy is very uncertain. There's several wars happening. Multiple other countries are not doing too well. Look at Sri Lanka. Look at all these other places that are imploding. We're going to have to be taking in more immigrants, which means less money coming in uh, or less jobs. You you want to look at the whole whole picture and you mm -hmm. want to safeguard yourself. So you want to make sure that you're making good financial decisions. And um, that's just something that I think about. I've, even though it seems like I've grown fast with you know 16 properties in a few years, Really, it has been kind of meticulous and kind of planning those out to make sure that, A, I'm not taking on much more than I can chew. And I've done that a little bit, <laughs> as we all have. Um, but then also being able to, yeah, being also able to mitigate some of that risk as well or find other avenues. For example, pivoting to midterm rentals if your short terms aren't doing yeah. well, stuff like that. Yeah. My last question, I think, is the key one that I have not asked yet. You're in San Diego. That feels like a pretty obvious place that Turo, Airbnb, some of these share economy type of things would work. What about Fresno? What about Modesto? What about, you know, uh, Butte, Montana, right? Like what, how much do you think location makes uh, an impact on, on the Turo market? Well, even if you're not in a vacation market, um, as long as it's a place, if, as long as it's a destination for people for whatever reason, they're going to need either transportation or housing, right? So if you're near a bunch of colleges or medical facilities or um, tech places where people are coming into, I mean, I'm sure Fresno it has a ton of tech uh, still. It, the ones that haven't left for San Diego or Austin or <laughs> Dallas or something. But, um, you know, I, I still think there's a need. You'd have to play with those numbers in those areas to really determine if it's going to be right for you. However, I, I feel like it's a smart thing to try out with your own car, especially if you're a two-car family. You're, maybe you're only using one. Maybe you're working from home and you don't use your car as much. Try it out. See how it goes. Yeah. See if there's a market for it. There's really no skin off your back. There are insurance levels that you can purchase through Turo as part of a, like a deductible program. So it's like if you want to have a zero deductible on this trip, uh, you're only going to get 20% of the payout or something super low. If you want 8% of the payout, you're going to have to have a deductible, you know, things like that. Okay. So what I'm hearing is if you've, if you've got an opportunity to just use a car that you already own, just try it, right? Just, just like how you started your Airbnb journey. You had an extra bedroom, you threw a mattress in there and you said, let's just try it. What about the person, for example, my family? Uh, that we need to have our two cars. We can't rent out both of them. And maybe because I've got, you know, 45 to 50 properties that I'm thinking this would be another avenue. What do you think? Should I go lease? Should I go buy something used? Should I go buy something new? What, what would be your first step in that kind of position? I would say if you're okay with buying a used vehicle and just, uh, you know, dealing with the issues that come with used vehicles, then that would be the way to go. Except the used car market right now still hasn't come down much. Yeah, you know it's still pretty high. In that respect, I would say you might want to wait or or suss out a really good deal before you know not just jump into any used vehicle. Same with new cars. Uh, new new car vehicles are coming down, and they do have a nice. Usually they're adding more warranty packages and stuff, so that could be a good option. I would also ask your guests who are staying at your Airbnbs already. Hey, what are you using to get around? Did you rent a car? Did you did you drive in? 
and see if there's a need, like if people are actually having to, to, or if they're just Ubering everywhere and like, how much did you spend on Uber going everywhere? Oh, I'm spending hundreds of dollars. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, well, shoot. What, if I had a car, would you just want to rent that, you know, yeah. instead? So asking your customers. Some, yeah. It's good. Those could be some, and honestly, it's been great. You know, nothing is truly passive, passive in, in a way. Right. And I know we talk a lot about Airbnbs and short-term rentals being passive income, but it's still a lot of work. It's just mm -hmm. less active than a normal job traditionally. And so it's a great feeling when I'm on vacation or wherever, where my cars are booked out, they're running, making me money. My houses are booked out, making me money while I'm on a beach. That's what I want to continue to keep happening and, and, and more and more, you know? Absolutely. Gabe, what did I not ask about Turo? That you think is important for people to know, or did we cover everything? Man, um, there's so much you could fit in, but it would take yeah. another five, 10 hours. Um, <laughs> I would say, hey, if you're entrepreneurial, you want to try something, maybe try it with your own. If you can for a week, see if it works, go on to Turo, check it out. I know there's other platforms like Turo that are doing personal car rentals. They're not too great. I've I've done a few of them and I, I would just be wary. Yeah. However, here's the one tip. I just heard about Uber is getting into the car sharing business. Oh my. Now Uber has a massive, massive base and they already have all the drivers on it. They already have all this customer contact from all these years. It, you know, it's billions and billions and billions of dollars. Uh, this industry that Uber has in their pocket, they just launched, I believe in Boston and some, a little place in Canada, somewhere in Canada, maybe it was Toronto. I, I'm not sure. If they start putting it at more cities around the country, I think that's going to be, that'll blow it wide open. That means Turo is going to have to compete more. That means they're going to have to get better with the, their hosts, pay them more. So I'm kind of positioning myself for that as well. Okay. To kind of, so keep that in mind, you know, you know, Turo, a lot of people still haven't heard of it, even though we've heard about it a lot. Right. But once Uber jumps into the game or maybe Lyft will follow suit, that can just be huge. Well, I like it. You're always thinking a couple steps ahead, which I think is extremely smart. I've got one last question before I do. I would love for people to know where they can find you online and keep on uh, checking in with you, maybe even DM you. That would be great. Uh, Kubanda Properties, pretty much everywhere. Or my name, Gabe Kubanda on all the socials. That uh, is my last name, Kubanda Properties. So you can find me pretty easy. You can Google me there. I have way too much information about me online. <laughs> after decades of, of being a musician. So I'm pretty easy to find my cool. music's on Spotify, YouTube, all that good stuff as well. And if they want to check out your music, is it just your name again? Just my name. Uh, yeah. Cool. iTunes, wherever you want. Gabe, really quickly. We, we went really deep into Turo. We were going to talk about a few other things, but I want to at least give you a moment to talk about your passion for music and how this business is helping you uh, create more time for that. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. You know, when I was in the trenches and touring very DIY, you know, I was driving the bus, I was booking the shows, I was making sure the musicians were, you know, you're basically babysitting and uh, making sure everyone's having a good time. Mm -hmm. I completely just, my creative spark had, had just been just stifled and just, I was just, I was just dead after every tour. Mm. And about after starting getting into the Airbnb business and then into more of the short-term rental overall thing, it started freeing up more of my time to get back into music, to get back to my passion. I started writing more. 
Um, I started recording more. I've got two new songs coming out this year, uh, next year. I just had a new song called Working On Me that came out last month. It's all about that personal journey of just nose to the grindstone, get what you got to have done, get off social media if that's dragging you down. Like just do what what you got to do, right? And I think that's the message that I'm really trying to impart is whatever whatever you're doing, do it to the best of your abilities. Mm. And if you don't like it, still do it to the best of your abilities and scale up or scale sideways or do something else, but never just sit on, on your, on your butt and blame everybody else. Because that's, that's just the worst thing you could ever do for yourself mentally and physically. I have read a really great book recently by Mark Manson. You might've heard of it. The subtle art of not giving a F you. Yeah. (laughs) And he says, when you blame others, you're really only hurting yourself. And so I I think what you just said there is super powerful, especially with me just reading that book that that hits home. Um, and and I'm really excited to hear that this has created more time for your passions because that's also a place that I've been able to see this for me with family, with my passions for for baseball, and being able to start a new podcast. And 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 it's cool to encounter other people that aren't just like yeah this business made me a bunch of money so that I could go buy a bunch of properties and then just chase deals. Like you, you're sitting back and saying, what's really important to me and focusing on what's going to fill your cup. And at the end of the day, putting you next to someone who's just chasing down the deals, you're going to be the happier person more, more likely than that other person all day long. So I'm keep on doing what you're doing, man. 100%. Yeah, I totally agree. And when you're leveraging as much automation and, and stuff like that as you can, that can really help broaden those horizons and give you that, those precious moments that you need to get back from your life. You know? Awesome. Gabe Kubanda, fun conversation guys, go try out Turo. If you've already got short-term rentals and you've already got a second car or even just maybe a car that, you know, you're not going to use on certain days, try it out. It might turn into another side business with your short-term rentals. And if you have more questions about it, just hit up Gabe, on social media. Gabe, thanks for helping us to conquer the world of short-term rentals and adding income with Turos. Thank you so much for having me, having me, Kyle. Thanks for being an inspiration over the years as well. Thanks for letting me glean as much as I could from all of your, your uh, content. You're the GOAT. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I do appreciate the compliment. Thanks so much, Gabe. So I want to know from you, what are you passionate about that you feel like you've either put to the side or need extra time to be able to go back to those passions. Whether you are on the YouTube channel right now and can comment with that, or maybe you're listening in the car right now and listening on the podcast, DM me on Instagram or send me an email, info at fearlesskyle.com. I would love to know what your passions are, the things that you want to use this business to get you back to because maybe you've just gotten so bogged down with work or with the things that just don't really matter as much in life as the things that will fill your cup. I want to know that. Go ahead and reach out. And again, if you're just on YouTube, drop a comment right now with that. Uh, Thanks to Gabe Kabanda for being on the Fearless Investor Podcast. And we'll see you next time where we're helping you to conquer the world of short-term rentals. Hey, Fearless Investor community. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Fearless Investor. If you haven't already, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. And for more free content, check out my YouTube channel, also called The Fearless Investor, and our website, www.fearlesskyle.com. Until next time, keep on conquering the world of short-term rentals.